0: Right, so nice. that's what we're doing, right? We're going we're gonna to theatrically read the IOJS source code.
1: This episode is sponsored by FrontEnd Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript the good parts, build web applications with Node.js, AngularJS in-depth, and advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by Rackspace. Are you looking for a place to host your latest creation? Want terrific support and high performance all backed by the largest open source cloud? What if you could try it for free? Try out Rackspace at javascriptjammer.com slash Rackspace and get a $300 credit over six months. That's $50 per month at javascriptjammer.com slash Rackspace. This episode is sponsored by Widgmo 5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that Widgmo 5 leverages ECMAScript 5, and each control ships with AngularJS directives. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Widgmo 5. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 147 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Jameson Dance. Hello, friends. AJ O'Neill. Yo, yo, yo. Coming at you live from Grandma's house in the of Virginia. I'm Charles Max Wood from devchat.tv, and this week we have two special guests. We have Isaac Schluter, hello, and Michael Rogers, hello. Do you gentlemen want to introduce yourselves really quickly? I know we've like, had like they need any introduction. I know, and I think we've had both of you guys on the show before, but you should still do an intro. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I don't think that everybody listens to this show.
1: I mean, I know that you guys are popular, but
2: <laughs> I don't know any podcast. We haven't reached one
3: hundred percent. That's right. Saturation with Saturation. the whole Earth yet. All
2: right. Soon um, I'll I'll start. Uh, I'm Michael Rogers. I do lots of node stuff and I run node comps. And- awesome.
0: And I'm Isaac Fluter. I'm yes, I'm that Isaacs. I uh, ran the Node project for a little while, wrote NPM, hired a bunch of people at NPM Inc. where I'm now the CEO, and that keeps me very busy.
4: Awesome. All right. It's really awesome to have you two guys on the show today, by the way. Yeah, Thanks we're for big hours. fans. Thanks. Thanks.
1: As far as uh, our listenership goes, if you haven't listened to any JavaScript Jabbers ever, any part of any show, actually you probably have if you've gotten this far, then uh shame on you, I guess. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, we brought you on to talk about io.js. Do you want to give us kind of the thumbnail sketch of why okay. JavaScript people should care or what it is? <laughs>
2: okay. Io.js is a 4 I guess Fyodor technically started back in around like thanksgiving weekend you know since he started it uh, very quickly all of the kind of primary contributors to node um except for those that worked at joint came on board we started an open governance process It's an open kind of technical committee, and we've done everything really publicly, and in a way that tries to bring in the community. Since then, we built out, you know, a build group, a distributed build system. We've done several releases at this point. We've attracted more active contributors to the project than we've actually ever had in its history, and yes, things are going
0: awesome as far as the development of well of Node or of iojs more of that that backstory it actually started out as node forward a bunch of us wanted to you know move away from the bdfl model and towards a more open governance consensus seeking model and and giant wasn't opposed to this but certainly didn't jump on that bandwagon quite as fast as as a lot of folks would like um it's definitely tricky to, to move a, a company from one position to another obviously so we had this node forward thing going for a while but that's kind of confusing because then we had two things called node and they were sort of different and sort of related and so we made node forward private the, the node forward fork of node private and then after a few weeks of node forward being private fedora got really sort of frustrated and was saying well why don't we just rename it and then nobody replied to him and he was like, no, let's just like, I'll just pick a new name and I'll just do it. It'll be fine. And, and nobody replied to him and he was like, fine, I'm doing, do it on my own. And like, that was the Thursday of Thanksgiving. So basically that's why.
3: That's why no one replied to
0: him. <laughs> that's, that's why nobody was replying to him. <laughs> very uh, single-minded. But uh, <laughs> apparently I've, I've heard from Ryan Dahl himself that IOJS is a much better name. You really? know,
1: if I want to make any uh, decisions on this show, I think that's what I'll do. I'll just pick a long weekend. Hey guys, I need your input on this. Okay. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Okay, if anybody <laughs> has a
0: problem with it, speak up now.
1: <laughs> Nobody said anything. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. but, but that's awesome. I uh, Pro tip. But I actually really, really like the, really the name. Salt. Yeah,
0: it's worked out really well. I mean, the name is, if you look at the tagline, it's asynchronous I.O. on V8 JavaScript. I.O.J.S. is, like, such a natural name for it. I don't know why anybody thought of that beforehand. I was, like, really surprised that the domain was available and everything. It is a little confusing because there's a programming language called I.O. that no one's ever heard of. But it's actually a pretty great programming language. I oh, know. Yeah. It was actually really neat, and uh, I had cool. never would never have found out about it except for this name collision.
4: It, it's featured in the book, so Eight Languages in Eight Weeks, or Ten Languages in Eight Weeks, or Ten Weeks, I can't remember what the name of the book is.
0: Seven ten languages.
4: languages in N Weeks? There you go, Seven Languages <laughs> in Seven Weeks. That must be it. Or Seven yeah, it's Languages featured in, in Seven Days, is it? Yeah, I went through it, and it's super hard to just get it installed anywhere, but it is a
3: cool language. So I wanted to ask a little bit about some of the technical differences between Node and IO. I started using Node at Node 4 and it seemed like new versions were released fairly regularly, but I wasn't, I and mean, it was still all so new to me that I didn't really notice the new things in them. But I feel like we've been on version 10 for a while. Is that part of the motivation for forking it is to get more regular releases out or is that kind of a side effect?
0: It was definitely both a cause and effect, right? So on the one hand, there's kind of this this interesting paradox where the faster you move the faster you can fix things and the more ability you have to actually deliver stability and i think that that's that's really the problem that we were running into it was like node 0.10 is using a version of v8 which is so old that google is not even releasing security patches for it anymore it's like it's fallen off of their support wagon so our our thought was like well you know we we need to get 0.12 out the door or something else we just we need to get on a modern v8 additionally there's a lot of frustration because people would land patches and when you don't have that, you know, that steady cadence of a release process, what happens is people start to lose their motivation to get involved with the project. And we saw contributions and, and involvement sort of falling off a little bit. So that's kind of what Node Forward started out and started out as a, a conversation and, and a way to kind of talk about how we're gonna address this problem and what needs to happen in order to move us forward faster. Um like I said, Node Forward rebranded as IOJS in Fedora's kind of fit of frustration and <laughs> as as a result we were able to open the doors on that. And what we found was there's actually like huge floodgates of just people who were kind of waiting in the wings to get involved with the project. So, you know, we have a record number of official logos. We have um, (laughs) a lot of of folks who actually have been added as committers. The TC has grown up to, Michael, how many people are on it today?
4: Well, so there are, I think, seven members and then three non-voting participants. Yeah, wasn't the three non-voting members just added recently?
0: Yeah, so, uh, one of those is Rod Vag, who's been working on the build infrastructure stuff and is also just a fantastic project manager. Um, y- you know, getting everybody to kind of get these test systems to be producing green builds and making sure that stuff that, that is blocking the build gets addressed. And there's also uh, Dominic Nicola from Google, who works very tightly with the Chrome team and the V8 team and has been giving us a lot of insight there about you know, keeping in touch with JavaScript, the language, and the implementation we're using. And the third one, oh, I guess the third one's Michael. <laughs> Too humble
1: to name himself. Yep. So can I just uh, see if I'm understanding rightly the way that things have kind of gone here? So Ryan Dahl created Node.js and Joyent, uh sponsored it in a lot of different ways for a long time. And anyway, it just kind of got to the point where the model that you were using to manage the Node.js project wasn't really working. And so you forked it so that you could get a different model around managing the project so that you being us as the community so that we could all kind of push it forward in the way that we wanted maybe a little bit more collaboratively.
0: Yeah, it, it was sort of like, you know, this, this sort of fork and experiment and then bring back thing that we're all used to doing with GitHub. It's one thing to say, well, you know, we want your governance model to change, but the natural response is, okay, well, change how? Like, you know, we want to make you happy, but we don't know what you're asking for. Right. So we didn't actually have a good answer for that. And, um, note forward was about figuring out what changes do we want to see? And that's really, sort of materialized in an effective way in IOJS. And that's kind of what we've seen is we've seen this iteration on a governance model that is very open, very collaborative, and actually has made a ton of forward progress. And it's not like the first idea we had was the one that actually ended up being the one that we're using now. And it's a continually evolving process, because through that technical committee and voting process and consensus seeking governance, we can actually change what the rules are as we're moving. So it's actually very iterative. And my my hope is that a lot of this feeds back into kind of the, the mainline Node project eventually.
1: That was going to be my next question anyway. You know, how much of this do you see getting pushed back to Node? Well, ideally all of it, both
0: in the technical work, the governance and the community engagement. So there are certainly some folks who are very excited about a rebrand and they want to start cheering about the new name and stuff. And I mean, I, I think it's actually a better name. But what it lacks is several years of investment and a bunch of companies putting their weight behind it. And a lot of people still don't really know what IOJS is, except as like some Node thing. So I think there's also some very real costs involved in rebranding. So it's clearly in the interest of Node and Joint and everyone involved with Node to get that, you know, that momentum folded back in. And it's very much in the interest of IOJS to be able to go back to that kind of the original sort of mainline brand that people know. So...
5: It seems to me like perhaps Node.js will become more like the enterprise, really solid, slow-moving target, and IO.js will become the more like, if you need the latest features six months ahead of schedule, that's what you want to use. Is that
0: what you think will be the case, or how do you think that will play out? No. I absolutely not. (laughs) And I'll I'll tell you why, because the way that you do stability in software, like this idea that we need a very slow-moving waterfall process, just it's antiquated it's an accident of history that it ever worked that way you know and it's because of the limitations of of recasting hardware like we don't have those limitations in software we can actually iterate very quickly and the best way in fact to build very very stable very resilient software is to be iterating very quickly and feeding all of those changes and keeping everybody very engaged and feeding those changes back into a mainline stable branch so, you know, I think what's going to happen, what I don't want to see is like, oh, IOJS is bleeding edge and Node is stable. In fact, IOJS is extremely stable. We're looking at deploying it now in production at NPM Inc. And, you know, there's also uh, Yandex and Google and a bunch of other folks who have, I don't think anybody's come out and, yes, we are shipping it. IOJS. But they've certainly said like, oh, we're looking at it, you know, seems fun. It's the same TC that blocked any new features coming into Node for years. Like, <laughs> it's it's the same bunch of us stick in the muds who are all saying, you know, do this in user land and stuff. So it's going to be exactly as stable. It's still very much a, uh, you know, no batteries included kind of approach. So I, I, w- I want to hear uh, Michael's additions to this as well.
2: Well, I mean, all I'll say in addition to that, like that is definitely all true, but it's also not, there's nothing stable about shipping dependencies that have been end of life, right? So There's a huge advantage to staying not just up to date, but at least up to date with what is still being supported in your dependencies. And, I mean, like a joint just shipped 012 today, finally. After like two years, we're all very excited. But if you go and look at it, it's using both a V8 and a LibUV that aren't really being maintained. The the V8 is about six months old, which is a long time in V8 time, and the LibUV isn't being maintained anymore either. So, like, there's nothing more stable about that. If it were a little bit older, but still being maintained and patched and at least getting security updates, then that would be, that
4: might be more stable. But it's certainly not more stable to take something that is literally end of life. What was that second library, not V8, the V8 engine, but the other library you're talking about, this... libuv. Can you explain that a little bit? Libuv. That is. Or libuv is actually
2: where most of the magic happens in Node. It's the underlying uh, asynchronous I/O library that straddles the world between Linux and BSD and Windows and, and all these different operating systems. Um, it does a lot of the hard work, um, and it's used in a couple other programming languages as well, including Love it, which is a, a Lua jit. But uh, yeah, it's a fantastic project, and, and a lot of the main contributors to libuv. We are also Node core contributors uh, like Fyodor and Duttony and Ben Nordhuis and, and Bert Belter.
3: So we've talked obliquely about the governance model of IOJS and how it differs from Node, but do you mind, Michael, just giving a rundown of, of what exactly the governance model is right now?
2: Sure. So essentially, there there's a technical committee, which is basically the people that we kind of trust to make a lot of the underlying technical decisions. Anything that gets very contentious, anything that we're, you know, really worried about like a giant code change or anything where a bunch of contributors can't agree, that decision ends up in that technical committee. Um, and that's what's under what's called the consensus seeking model. So it's not a pure consensus model. You can take things to a vote if they remain contentious. But in practicality, what you end up doing is working it out and told us to reach a consensus, never take anything to a vote. You know, we've disagreements in the TC, and then we table an issue for a week, and we all end up getting creative and coming up with a solution that everybody can agree to. So we haven't actually quite had to do that. But, uh, yeah, so the TC meets every week. It's all very transparent. Um, and then in addition to the TC, we have a bunch of people who are committers on the project who have a commit bit uh, who are collaborators. And they sort of land code at will, provided that it's not a contentious commit
0: Yeah. And and ultimately the release is owned by the, the technical committee. So if there's something that goes, that goes in that people have very strong passionate feelings about, it can be brought up to the TC. We can either roll it back or we can, you know, sign off on it before it goes out as an official part of the release. So we still, we've moved from like a single gatekeeper that everything blocks on to a team of people who only block on the things that are actually, you know, need blocking.
2: Yeah. And and I, I should also mention that we have several working groups, which are essentially autonomous, and they tackle a bunch of other additional tasks, and they have their own working group membership. And that's, you know, everything from streams and
3: tracing to dealing with the website. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for explaining. I know AJ had some technical questions about some of the new IOJS stuff. Is that true? Well, yeah.
5: First and foremost, oh, I don't know. There's a couple of first and foremost, but let's start with stable, beta, unstable. What do version numbers mean now, right? Because Node was odd is moving forward, and even is security updates only.
0: Kind of. I have so many feels about version numbers. You have no no idea.
3: <laughs> um, it's like it's important to your life or something. I know. I know. One
1: point oh, yay! So let us yeah, feel the
3: feels here. So we're so we're at one
0: point. What one point two now? One point one? I forget. <laughs> 1.1 um, is what I saw the other day, as in yesterday. Yeah, 1.1. Yeah. 1. <laughs> 1. 1, we We're we were talking about what's going to be in 1.2. Here's the thing. We're not tying version numbers to timing, and we're not tying version numbers to stability. What we're doing is we're following the pattern, which has been set by literally every project in the Node ecosystem except Node itself, which is to use Semver and increment your version numbers based on what changes went into the API. So what that means, you have major, minor, and patch versions. We bump the patch version every time there's... Any change whatsoever. We bump the minor version for every release that includes any new feature, whether it's any API addition. So if you're using 1.0, it should be safe to upgrade to 1.1, but there may be new things added. And then we bump the major version for anything that's a breaking change. So if you go, if you're using 1.7.4, then upgrading to 2.0 might actually break your code. You have to be careful with that. Anything that is a complete, like a full release, anything that's like, this is the release of IOJS, this is the one you should download and use, that should always be stable. Now, in terms of, we've traditionally kind of drawn this line between binary API versus JS API, and we're just applying the exact same semver rules to that. So our binary compatibility should be stable within a a major release cycle, and there may be additions to the binary API that happen on the minor version upgrade, there may be bug fixes which don't change binary compatibility on the uh, patch versions you know so that that brings up the question obviously like what about like well i was depending on that bug we had <laughs> michael do you remember what exactly the issue oh it was um assert, assert. Dot, yeah assert.dp equals there is this kind of weird situation where if you do assert.dp equals there's something in there which is clearly a bug where it was checking object.prototype so the astute listeners in your audience and all of your audience listeners are astute i'm sure will know that object.prototype is not a thing that's not a magic property the magic property is object.constructor.prototype so we were checking if object.prototype equals you know a.prototype equals b.prototype and what it should have been is checking if object.getprototype of a equals object.getprototype of b okay so yeah and that that was that dates back to before 0.10, I believe. I think that dates back all the way to like the introduction of the assert module. So yeah, it's just obviously a bug. So what, what are the ways that we could fix that bug? Well, we can remove that line of code because it doesn't do anything. Great. Or, you know, we could sort of change it to be what the intent of that code was. So right now, if you do assert.deep equals and you pass it an object literal with no keys and you pass it an array with no entries, it's going to say true. It's going to say, yes, these things are deep equal because all of their keys, including their prototype property, like as if that was a thing, are equal. So we can't fix it by changing the way that the prototype is checked unless we accept that that's a breaking change. We decided that wasn't worth it, and so we just removed that code. Otherwise, we would have had to bump to version 2.0. Then we also added, or we are in the process of adding, object.deep strict equals, or was it strict deep equals... uh, can never remember. Um, and what that is doing is that's a new function, a new method now, which does a strict equality check of all of the properties and also checks the prototype using object.getPrototypeOf. prototype of. So what this is all kind of a very long winded way of saying is just as one example of like we are really, really committed to the semantics of semver and maintaining that moving forward and making sure that all of our version numbers actually are meaningful in the way that the node community has decided version numbers should be used. And additionally, we are, like, really hesitant to do anything that breaks anybody. We're still very, very, very stable. So,
1: so why'd you so, go for
0: 1.0? I think there were breaking changes between the most recent release of Node and the release of IOJS. Now, according to Node's more, uh what was what it called? Not semantic version, but, like, romantic versioning system or something. <laughs> um <laughs> According to the older, you know, node-style versioning system, which predates Semver, you bump the minor version for each of those breaking changes. However, we're sticking with Semver. That means when you go from 0.10 to the next version, if the next version has breaking changes, then that's 1.0. I mean, if we look at things from a Semver point of view, node 0.10 should really be node 5.0, right? There have been sort of five breaking change release sets in node. So, and we are kind of from this older, older mentality of using even odd, like the Linux kernel, and uh, using 0.x to sort of imply a certain level of stability. And I think that that's just really not like what what we've sort of decided as a community is that that's just not really what version numbers are for, right? Version numbers are for communicating what has changed in the API. And so in iojs, we're very committed to that, and that's one change that we would actually like to see in the way that Node is run as well. So
5: if I have, say, my application depends on 1.x, IOJS 1.x, and currently, you know, you're a year into 2.x, and there is, you know, let's say I'm running 1.1, and there's a security update that needs to be applied. Does that mean that I would need to update to whatever the latest 1.x is to get that security update, and I have a guarantee there's no breaking changes? Or would a security update that's, you know, major be applied also to minor versions as well?
0: So this, I mean, this is always kind of the edge case when you're having Semver discussions that is usually sort of tricky. You know, what if there's a security update and the security update requires that we actually make some kind of breaking change? Like something that was allowed is now no longer going to be allowed. And if your, if your application depended on the security vulnerability, then, then we're going to break your app, right? Well, I'm not
5: even thinking, like, that edgy of a case. I'm just thinking, you know, because, like, a lot of people, they want to stick, you know, like, think in the IT world, right? They want to stick with 1.1. They don't want to update to 1.2. They want as few changes as possible. So if there's, like, an absolute security update, you know, they sometimes will expect that that'll be backported into a couple of the minor releases. So, you know, 1.1.26 becomes 1.1.27, and 1.2.10 becomes 1.2.11. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think we'll do that when the severity and the priority of it kind of merits that sort of consideration. Um, you know, without a specific example, I don't, it's, it's hard to say. And we're also predicting quite a ways into the future since IOJS is still about a month old. But I think we're planning on, and this is still kind of in the early discussions, we are planning on having a sort of a bleeding edge, a uh, latest and a stable release trains sort of mirroring the way that V8 does things. And we'll probably add on to that a supported but legacy train as well, which is sort of like, yeah, we'll land like the really big security type things, but we're not going to just add new features or or even really fix bugs that aren't super high priority. Cool.
1: So I'm wondering, I've done a little bit with Node, and I want to go install io.js. Do they run side by side? And the things that depend on them, like npm and stuff? is that going to like mess up my world when I try and do an NPM install and it's going, okay, do I use IO or Node?
2: If you want to run multiple versions of Node, you should use uh, NVM, which is a Node version manager. It's fantastic. And you should do the same thing if you want to run IOJS and Node because it will replace the Node install just like every other major Node okay. release. Um, so that's a good way to kind of run both of them. And then when you switch it out, it'll switch out the one that NPM is using as well. So, so, want, asked- so no modules should break uh, that are pure JavaScript. Some modules will break that are native that use, uh, C++ add-ons. Most of those add-ons use, uh, with this library called NAN by Rod Vag, uh, which kind of straddles the world between different V8 releases when they break API. And there are pull requests out on like virtually every module that broke, um, to update to work with IOJS. Now it's just a matter of those getting tested and merged and then released so that
0: you don't have breakage in some of those modules, but
2: it's relatively rare. And all of the big ones that I know of, um, have been merged now, so.
0: NPM and most modules will just use whatever is the node that's in your path. So IOJS creates a binary called IOJS and then symlinks it to node just to kind of like have backwards compatibility for that reason. I would recommend using nave rather than NVM because I like nave better because I wrote it. But you know, it kind of has my has my pheromones on it.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: also, I also I just I don't like things that put stuff in my Bash RC file. I feel like that's a little bit too personal. Uh, Nave uses subshells, so anyway, subject but, but for another talk. But your
5: pheromones aren't too personal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually, as far as the actual code goes, it's it's a bash program that I I've, I've since upgraded my bash skills since I originally wrote it, and it kind of bugs me the way that it's written. So back to the The
5: breaking changes thing for just a moment. So what I've seen a lot of node JIP errors, and and they're packages that work fine on node 11, which I think is a lot of the work of node, I mean, IOJS one, right? Or Or is it are these packages breaking because it's renamed to IOJS and all the URLs are IOJS? Or are they breaking because there's V8 incompatibilities?
2: Yeah, it's the V8 change. So JIP is like a tool that compiles for native add-ons. And so it's trying to do something in the new V8 API that it can't do, um, that it used to be able to do in the old V8 API. Or so it's trying to do them in the NAN API and it needs the new NAN API to do that.
0: Then what's PanJIP? Maybe Isaac knows. I don't know. PanJIP, I think, is the new JIP that's written in Node or something. I forget. I don't, I don't actually know. I haven't been following it that closely. Isn't okay, because cool? I thought PanJIP was like to
5: bridge the gap between IOJS and Node.js, but I must have misunderstood. I, you know, you, know what? you might not
0: have misunderstood. You, you know, at least as much as I do. Chuck says that it's uh, when you mix
3: Japan with Egypt. That's probably it. I didn't know we had the technology to like do that in code, but yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. You
2: know, if you extend uh, errors with JIP compiling for new v8 you're going to have the same problem upgrading to 0.12 like node 0.12 that came out today because it also takes a new v8 we just took a newer v8 and there are probably more modules now that have
5: been adjusted for iojs than just for o.12
2: although many of those adjustments will work for o.12 as well i was
5: going to say when we encounter these changes what's the protocol do we post to that project or do we post an iojs or like what's you can play we... it on twitter do we complain on Twitter? Yeah, like, what's, what's the best way to manage those issues and, and help those authors that, I don't know, maybe they're done with that module and they don't really want to go back and fix it. I don't know. Like, read my mind and, and answer all my questions.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a better question is, not a better question, I don't mean to insult your question, AJ. A, a different way to ask that is, do updates to make things work in IOJS, will that break backwards compatibility with, if I update my binary module or, or some module that's broken now in, in 1.0 in IOJS, I got not you. work in old node. Use the NAN library. That bridges the gap. So
0: use NAN. You do have to port your C code. It's not a it's not a zero code change. But there's a there's a module called NAN NAN, like the not a number value in uh, IEEE folks. And uh that will I don't know what what do you know what NAN is supposed to stand for? It's like native abstraction for node or something. Native abstractions for
2: node.
3: Ah, uh, okay. I, I misunderstood what you were saying about NAN earlier then. So that's what it
0: does. Right. So basically you code against the NAN API, which then figures out what version of V8 you're linking against and sort of splits it up. So your code will continue to work.
3: Cool. Another question I have is who is the audience for IOJS? You mentioned already how the project was created in some ways to try and influence Node by kind of putting your money where your mouth is and demonstrating the changes you'd like to see. But what about the actual user level? I mean, do you, do you want everyone that uses Node to switch to IO? Do you, is it just for kind of the hipsters? You mentioned there are big companies using it already, so it's not like a stability thing, but are you trying to get more people to use it, or is it just kind of like, here's this thing we're making to try something different, and it's good, so if you want to use it, jump on, but.
2: I mean, it's literally the future of the project, or the replacement for the project. I mean, there's not. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of really good work. We're just as conservative and stable as, as Node has always been. We're just actually shipping and we actually have a big community behind us. Um, and most importantly, I think we're actually out there doing a lot of work to bring in the larger community using Node already, um, that really hasn't had their voice heard on where they want to see the
0: project go. So really the audience is everybody. Cool. It's like always with upgrading the version of Node that you're using, right? Like, I mean, either, Either you're ready to upgrade or you're not. Like, uh, there's folks who are using zero point eight and they're fine. There's gonna be people using outdated versions of Node forever. I mean, if you're kind of, if you're developing things in kind of this modern Nodey sort of way, where you have a lot of small services that you plug in, it almost doesn't matter. You know, you can just start building your new services in the new thing and deploy them however you're deploying them, and it'll just work. Like, if upgrading is a huge pain and you have to like upgrade this gigantic set of like this gigantic monolithic application, like I'm sorry you. You've made bigger mistakes. Upgrading Node's not going to fix them. Like, start looking at splitting things up into SOA style, SOA kind of bite-sized pieces that all talk to each other. And then, yeah, as you write new things, write them in the newer version of Node and upgrade when you need to. So,
4: I'd like to kind of go back just a little tiny bit when talking about like installation and stuff. I know that Microsoft did a ton of work to make sure that Node ran really well on Windows. When IOJS came out and Released some slightly breaking changes. Did that have anything? Did Microsoft get involved at all? Or did everything just, did, did it not really affect the Windows story for IOJS?
0: Uh, I, I don't think it really affected the Windows story. I mean, IOJS still, it also works on Windows. I'm not really in the, in the business of being answerable for that anymore. So I don't have a really great answer, but I
3: think, um. I feel like Dominic you know, would be yelling a lot if it didn't
0: work. Yeah. Yeah. So Dominic's very involved. Bert Belder obviously is super involved and he's the one who did a ton of the original Windows work. So the move that, that we made that Microsoft was a big part of was making sure that libUV worked on Windows. And that's a part of why libUV was abstracted out of Node in the first place. Mm. So. We're still using the same kind of, uh, same basic principles. There's very little actual, like, Windows or
4: Unix specific stuff in Node itself. So it's fine. That's good to hear. I have a lot of interest in that just because I end up teaching a lot of people who are on Windows. And it's hard when they have any kind of problems with Node because lots of Windows developers just don't understand. It's hard to explain to them why Node becomes relevant to them, even if they're not necessarily using it as a web server and you want to say, look, Node is awesome. <laughs> you really should be doing Node, even if you're not using it as your web server. And it's it was awesome that Microsoft spent all that time to make it work smooth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, are there any other, uh, I guess what I'm wondering about is uh, API changes between Node and IO. Because you did say that you changed the version to 1.0 because there are breaking changes.
0: Well, it's the same breaking changes that are in node 0.12, right? It's, it's all the stuff that was done in the 0.11 process in that whole unstable family of, of releases. And so, yeah, there are some API breakages and there's some API changes. I don't want to say breakages. I mean, that sounds a lot harsh, but, um, the success here is basically that we've, you know, we've taken the stuff that was just kind of sitting around and, and not getting released and, and pushed it out the door. So there's a ton of stuff. I mean, if you look at the release notes, you'll see there's some things where there was really no way to change it without changing the API. There was no way to deliver the feature without changing the API.
3: Through the magic that- of typing in chat, AJ, it sounds like you have a question about Arm and Raspberry Pi stuff and running out on that.
5: Yeah. So back around node version 10.26 or so, like, because it's not like I, you know, I'm I'm not into Raspberry Pi in the way that I update Node on it constantly, but I have these little projects here and there. And then I went back to upgrade Node on my Raspberry Pi and realized that there's it's no longer supported in Node proper. And I also noticed that it's not supported yet in io.js. From
2: that is not true.
5: Okay, so so (laughs) So tell I might I might have done something wrong. No, 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 no. You you probably came earlier. So
2: a couple things with that. So one is that I I don't know why it broke in O10, but it was never really that officially supported. People were able to get it running, and they were running builds somewhere else. But you couldn't go to like nodejs.org and get a build for ARM. Um, there oh, were God. you could. You could, for, okay, for like a minute maybe. And then, and then it started failing for some reason. I've, I don't, I don't even remember that amount of time. So when we, when we set up the new build farm for IOJS, we couldn't get ARM going. And then we found out that actually the newer V, somewhere between two years ago with the V8 that was shipping in 010 and now there were a bunch of V8 break, uh, breakages on ARM. Um, and the, you can imagine that, like, for some reason the V8 team wasn't really testing this or something. So people from the Node.js community hopped in to work on V8, basically, and get it working on ARM. So um, a couple commits later, they get this patch in and then we get to take a new version of V8, and it's out and, and it works, uh, and it's part of our builds now, and it's in all the binaries for the releases as of like 102 or 103, something like that. And the reason why this was able to happen so quickly is because we're now aligned with V8's release cycle. So we actually take the V8 that they said was stable for Chrome, and then we ship that. And then we're working on new code and, and contributing to the V8 code base that the V8 team is actually working on Um, and so now we have a tighter collaboration and a better relationship with the V8 team than we've ever had before and we can actually get stuff like this fixed and out and and working really quickly.
5: So you're saying saying with my Raspberry Pi like uh, B or B plus that's ARM 5 or ARM 6 I should be able to get that compiled and installed now?
2: I have no idea what the differences are between different ARMs, because I'm not that much of a of a robot nerd. But I do know that we have ARM builds that are shipping and are part of our regular build
5: process. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I saw ARM 7, which is Raspberry Pi 2. So...
2: I see. I see. Um, I'm not sure about the about the prior ones. Then you may just have to try and build it build it yourself. I, I think another thing, like another hard part about the building of all this stuff is that, like the build system needs to have like this really fast arm box, and we've we've seen them actually getting behind in some of the nightly builds and stuff like that because they're not quite as fast as everything else. So
5: yeah, it, it takes like
2: two hours to
5: build on a Raspberry Pi. B.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, but you can buy like clocked that will do it quicker than than like our other builds go, right?
5: Okay, cool. So just uh, out of curiosity, who would be a person to ping to help me debug those problems? Because I'm not necessarily an ARM guy, but I I think especially, well, with the Raspberry Pi 2, IOJS isn't a problem because you got ARM 7 support already. But is there somebody that for those of us that have the Raspberry Pi and we want to upgrade? Like even if we're not ARM experts, we could get a little help. Do you know? So I think the best place, so if you if you like, try to build it and then you see the build failure,
2: and it's an IOJS build failure, you could go to IOJS slash build, so the build repo, um, and log an issue there, uh, and then okay. probably hop in to, to help out and fix
5: it over there.
1: Okay, cool. Thanks. I want to go back to kind of the community thing a little bit. With the different governance policies and things like that, um, is there any worry that IOJS and Node may deviate more than they collaborate? That seems unlikely.
0: There are talks. People are talking about things. It's all very collaborative, but not yet as open as I think I would like. And so that's why I'm not talking much about it. But yeah, we, we all want to get to that place, including the, uh, the folks at Joints. We remain confident that there's some good stuff coming up in the future. Our hope is that the future of both projects is to be together.
2: Also, I mean, we've, we've pulled in like a couple of fixes that have gone into, to joint slash node. I mean, granted, a lot of those were committed to that repo by people that are on IOJS, but we have been pulling in code here and there. We've just taken a lot more and we have a lot more con- contributions coming in. I mean, if you look at the pulse, uh, GitHub has that great pulse thing that shows you sort of how active a project is. And you can just compare like the joint slash node right now to to iojs, and we just we have so many more people sending us patches and us working with them to get those patches in. So, a lot of the sort of you could think of iojs as being like the work that's happening
4: over in Node plus a bunch of other stuff. So, if they're divergences, they're really just additions in one direction, right? Mm. I was just going to say is it like the difference between a unicorn and a Pegasus unicorn. <laughs> Wait, so one is Django and the other's iojs? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess all I was wondering about was that, you know, with the different governance strategies that the priorities for one may change from the other. But at this point, I can definitely see that IOJS is really just thinking of itself as as uh, maybe a little bit further along version of Node.js. And so at this point, they're almost still the same thing with, you know, one maybe being a little bit ahead of the other in one area or another.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a fork in the, in the GitHub fork button sense of the fork, really. And that's, uh, that's really where we, how, that's how we all see it. That's certainly not how it's been portrayed entirely in the, in the tech press. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky to make that happen when you don't have a, a proper PR budget. But, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky to get the message out without somebody, without some like professionals who know who to talk to and how to kind of spin mm-hmm. the story or whatever. So it's that side of things, I think has been done, has been a little bit amateurish. And I think it's, you know, on, well, on I me and Michael, I mean, here we are, like, telling the story, right? So uh, if I'm complaining about that not being done in an expert way, it's it's because I haven't done it in an expert way. <laughs> uh, but no, like, that aside, what everybody wants is a, a good, stable, fast, secure enterprise-grade embassy class, whatever, whatever, reliable thing to run your JavaScript programs on the server and on your robots and on whatever and your cloud and your containers and your web 2.0 china market buzzword hadoop robots
3: (laughs) etc i
5: love how you're just reading our skype chat
3: out loud that's that's, that should that should be the uh the tagline for iojs (laughs) web 3.0 hadoop robots
5: Yeah,
2: I mean, I do want to respond a little bit. Like, there's been a lot of kind of weird speculation, and I hear it a lot from sort of big companies, enterprises, that they're, they're very worried about these two projects diverging in different directions. And it's because you get a lot of sort of rhetoric on the Node.js side, um, that, you know, they, that they believe different things than, than the other project. But the reality is that IOJS, you know, was started and is still really being technically governed by the people that have been building Node for the last five years. So there isn't a huge difference you know, we're really stable, we're re- really reliable. Um, and they're not when you aren't shipping and when you like haven't been putting out software enough. Like that's the only thing that you can do to really put a positive spin on it. So it's it's fine that, that, that they want to say that, but we certainly don't think that we're any less stable than, you know, a two-year-old version of V8 is, right?
3: So I have a very vague and broad question and I hope you can provide fantastic insight out of this weird thing. Do you think there's something to be learned about open source in general from this fork? When I first started getting more into web development was around like the merb rails thing. And Mm -hmm. to me, it seems like that was better overall for rails that it forked and then came back together. Like, does this just happen periodically in open source projects and and it works out well? Is there something, would it be better to avoid this kind of thing and resolve it in a different way or or, does that make sense at all?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that I'm not a Rubyist, and I, I never really got into Ruby, and, and I, I don't actually like using Ruby. It's kind of my not-so-secret shame, I guess. Um, and, and people <laughs> usually get mad at me when I say that, and they're like, why do you hate us? And I don't hate them. I just hate the thing they're using. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, but but uh, no, I, I love them. I, I Some of my best friends are Rubyists. It's... uh <laughs> Anyway, from what I've heard, from what I've heard about that whole story, like the Merb Rails kind of splitting apart and coming together, actually is hopefully in the fullness of time pretty similar, and I think was probably what was best for everybody involved in the community. Now, the best thing that can possibly happen is you very quietly plot along and everybody's very much on the same page, and you don't need to fork and then come back. Like, yeah, I mean, that's cheapest and easiest, right? Like, that's the thing that gets the best software, like, out the door. That being said, like, that isn't always how it works out because humans are real people and sometimes have differences of opinion and, and get frustrated and want to make some forward progress. And like, you know what's amazing about software is like, we can just, we have an infinite amount of space in which to experiment, right? Like, there are thousands of node forks where people have tried out a little thing that maybe did or didn't work out. And nobody needed to like, there's a lot of like, you know, hand wringing and fretting over this stuff. And like, really, it's very, very, it's actually very like low risk to do stuff like this. The, the biggest risk is that you kind of look like a little bit of a jerk if you're not, you know, making it clear that we're all trying to do the right thing and trying to help each other out and you know maybe if you're not trying to work it out then you are a jerk but like that's not what this is like this is actually the system working and not in the sense of like some evil actor came in and the system worked because we got to say screw you and we left like that does happen that happens a lot in open source but this isn't really that case this is a case of like everybody really wants the same thing we had some you know diverging opinions and priorities about the best way the best and most expedient way to get that done we very like peacefully stepped aside to experiment on a new thing so that we could advance that discussion further and i hope that that process just kind of keeps continuing i I don't think that it's you know i don't want to sound like i'm trying to like hide or downplay any of the frustrations involved like certainly there's a lot of folks for whom this is their livelihood and they're very involved and you know feel very passionately about it but i mean like it's a JavaScript runtime, and we've been making these for the last 20 years. Like, yeah, Node is the biggest and most popular and most awesome one of those. But, and, and <laughs> IOJS is like kind of the next phase in that evolution. But what is the phase after that? Like, I don't know. Probably they're going to come together, and, and all of those logo t shirts will be, uh, you know, collector's items.
4: Or but, maybe it will be like MVC frameworks, and we'll have 20 of them. Yeah, you know, I
0: I don't see that happening because it's just it's not the kind of thing that you can reasonably have twenty of, right? Otherwise, we would have lots of other server side JavaScript frameworks. That was kind of the plan for CommonJS, and what very quickly came out of CommonJS was Node, and we we kind of discovered it, and we were like, oh, okay, this is what we need to do. Not argue about specs all day but actually just have one implementation that works really, really well and we can all put our weight behind. So I think, you know, I think that there are cases like MVC frameworks where spinning up a new completely radical, different idea is very, very easy and cheap. And so it's kind of worth iterating on that a whole bunch and sort of letting a a million flowers bloom and, and deciding which one is the best once you see it. But with Node, like, We have this kind of very tight, small kernel of functionality that people can use to bootstrap a module ecosystem and a community. And people can use that to kind of be sort of the baseline bit of functionality. And then in all of the, you know, 130,000 NPM modules, like by the time this airs, it'll probably be even more than that. That's where the real value is. So basically the value of Node is not in, you know, the runtime itself. And in fact, we're, we're really making sure to keep the changes in that really modest you know, we're not pulling Express into Node, for example, like this is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is just the, the core runtime that really enables NPM and the, the ecosystem of modules. And we want to, we want to facilitate that ecosystem as effectively as possible, because that's actually what is taking Node to all these different places. And of course, I'm biased, since NPM is my baby, and it's the thing that I work on. So of course, I'm going to give it all the credit. But I think that that's where people live, right? That's where Node developers are actually spending their time and energy, they're not spending it upgrading Node.
1: Very well said. All right. I need to start uh, heading toward picks. I'm the one that has the hard stop today. Boo. Yeah.
0: I I actually do too, so I appreciate
1: you calling that out right now. Is there anything else that we really haven't talked about that we need to at least mention before we get to the picks? I think we're good. Yeah, that's fine. Good questions. If the community wants to get involved with IOJS or know what's going on with the tech council committee, whatever you called it, or just uh, in general, ask other questions about iojs. What are the best ways to do that?
2: Uh, I mean, you can go to the GitHub repo, which is GitHub slash iojs slash io Also, we have a pretty active Twitter account um, where we post out sort of updates each week and anything really cool or people you know moving to iojs. Like you know, Adam Editor moved to iojs last week, so we were we were tweeting about that a bit. Um, oh, cool! And, and yeah, so that that uh, account is uh, official underscore iojs.
1: All right. Uh, let's go ahead and do picks then. Um, AJ, do you want to start us off? So I've got two things to pick this week.
5: One, I found out about the Raspberry Pi 2 and I'm super excited. It's a quad core ARM 7 processor with one gigabyte of RAM. The form factor is exactly the same. So any of the cases that you have for the B plus, that the B plus and the B are different, but anything that you've got for the B plus or the A plus should fit the two. And I'm also going to pick, uh, now, one of you guys, Isaac Michael, is going to help me pronounce this. How do you pronounce Fedor's name? Fyodor? Fedor? It's like, few. Fyodor. Like, there are not a lot of doors. There are few door. Feudor? And Fyodor. how do you say, how do you say his last name? In Dutny?
0: I'm not sure, but right, I believe so, it's, I believe it's Indutni.
5: Okay. Well, I'm just going to go with Feudor. I'm going to pick Feudor because this week I, ran into a bug in IOJS and also in Node 11 It's and probably in Node 12 because I doubt it got pulled in from IOJS yet, that is with reading SSL certificates that somehow occurs when you're using SSL certificates. So if you're using the HTTPS module to serve and you're also reading SSL certificates, say with the request module, connect to Facebook's API or something like that, there are certain certificates that have read errors And I don't understand what happened, but I was able to explain it to him and show him some code and stuff. And I had a patch from him within, like, 12 hours. And my code was working. And I was so happy. So I'm picking that man because he is the man. Oh, man. Fyodor's
2: amazing. He did um he did he did all the OpenSSL binding work and he also works on LibUV and he's also a FreeBSD kernel contributor and did a lot of their D Trace probe work. And also when Heartbleed happened, he won that little contest that was like, hey, prove that you can do this
5: with that. And he did. Oh, and he wrote the NAT UPNP module so that you can get your Raspberry Pi to get its ports forwarded to itself so this work that I was doing I came across his work like two or three times
0: so Are there Chuck Norris
3: jokes about about Fyodor or Fyodor?
0: He definitely is one of those developers that like if you get kind of into the weeds on some of these projects you're like oh hey he wrote that and like you know you're chugging along hacking along oh I need a thing that does that oh yep he wrote that too I'm like oh I found this bug like I wonder if there's a fix anywhere eh, hmm yep
4: it's like it's as if he's done this before
1: <laughs> Alright Joe what are your picks?
4: All right, so I got three picks today. The first one is the book that we talked about earlier. I totally want to pick that book, Seven Languages in Seven Weeks. Awesome book. Anybody who's a developer should absolutely read it, just to open up your mind to the fact that there's a lot more ways to skin the programming cat than simply closures in JavaScript. So I definitely want to pick that book. I also stayed up way, way, way too late last night, running on three and a half hours sleep today because... Of the game Legendary Encounters, which is a card board game set in the Aliens universe, which I absolutely love—the Aliens movie, not the other ones, just that one. But it's a super fun card game. Had a lot of fun fr- fun with my friends. Super, super hard to beat. Very, it's a co-op game. Just tons and tons of fun. And finally, I want to pick a plural sight course and stay bolted to your seats. It's not mine. It's called The Dark Side of Technology Careers, which was done by Dan Appleman, and it's really awesome. It has modules like newer isn't always better, but is definitely more profitable, and if it ain't broke, throw it out anyway, and many other awesome topics covered in this course. So if you have time, I highly recommend you go and check out his course. And when you're done with that, you can go check out mine.
3: It's like if your if your heart isn't shriveled into a cold pit of cynicism already.
4: <laughs> exactly. Have exactly. you seen it, mine? It'll
3: open your eyes. Your your heart?
4: Yeah, it's
1: already
3: shriveled. Already shriveled. It's, it's too shriveled. I can't does, see it.
4: Does it look like an apricot pit, Chuck?
3: Worse. <laughs> All right, Jameson, what are your picks? I have two picks. The first one is the Code Newbie Podcast. Um, it's a podcast by somebody named Saran. She interviews developers. Sometimes they're newer developers. Sometimes they're more experienced, but it's the, the audience for the developers is, or for the podcasts, excuse me, is newer developers or people looking in to get into software development. So it's a very different perspective than most of the technical podcasts I listen to, which are usually finding people that are experts like Isaacs and Michael. And you talk to them about some subject in depth. It's still really valuable to me, though, as someone who. Kind of already knows how to code. It's really well made and they talk about things that I don't hear about in other places. The, uh, next pick is an album called We Are Rising by a group called Sun Lux. It's kind of like post rock with vocals. So it's, it's mellow instrumental with like kind of these dramatic dynamic changes. If that sounds like your thing, it's really well done. And I really like it. It's been my programming soundtrack for this, the last few days.
1: Those are my picks. All right. I've got a couple of picks this week. I did get an iPad Mini. It's an iPad Mini 3, and I absolutely love it. So I am going to pick that. Um, I also got the OtterBox Defender case, and I'm going to pick that as well because it's super awesome. And then one thing that I've been doing lately that uh so my kids, especially my my little girls, they get really upset when my wife tries to do their hair in the morning when they're going to school. And so the two things that really help with that are uh, I have a Jam Pop speaker and i'll put a link to that in the show notes but it's it's about as big around as a can of soda and about half as tall and the other pick i have is the frozen soundtrack because i start playing songs off there and they stop yelling and screaming and crying and fighting <laughs> with their mother so uh anyway so those are my picks uh isaac what are your picks so my first pick is nan which we mentioned before
0: is uh Rodvag bag slash nan on github That is how you make binary modules that work on all versions of Node that matter, including IOJS. And it's named after an Indian bread and one over zero. Sorry, not one over zero, zero over zero. Anyway, so that's great. Or if you do like plus asdf in uh, in JavaScript, plus and then the string asdf, it'll tell you, man. My second pick is... An event that I'm very excited about. Uh, it's the second of its kind, but it's the first to be announced in this way and sort of official. Which is Karaoke JS. That's happening this Sunday. So I don't know if it's probably going to go out before this podcast hits the air. So sorry, everybody, you missed it. But hopefully there will be another one if you're lucky. So go to karaokejs.club. That's the website, and you can uh, go and sing karaoke with other JS people. And there's no there's no talks or business stuff. It's not for work. It's just for fun. My last pick is if you go to npmjs.com slash jobs, we are currently hiring. We're looking for a registry engineer, which is sort of server side, kind of DevOpsy, like supporting the thing that supports the node community. So that's really fun. And the, uh. Aren't you the looking other, for
1: Ruby developers too?
0: You know, I, I'm not going to hold it against somebody if they're a Ruby <laughs> developer. Like that's, that's a, that's a perfectly fine way to spend part of your time. It's a great hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <The>, uh, <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna get so much email so the other thing that we're that we're hiring for right now we're actually building out a dedicated support organization. So right now uh, up until now originally tech support for npm was just i I put my email address in the error messages and i got lots of emails about it and then we've you know we've since grown that to having some you know engineers spend a portion of their time on doing tech support now we're actually at the point where we're like okay we need like like this task is outgrowing its, you know, being a side project. So we're we're hiring full-time support people to do tech support. And I'm actually really excited about that. It's one of the first jobs in tech that I ever had was doing tech support. And now I'm going to be back to managing a, a support department. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, uh, I, th- I think that it's a good opportunity to really like make a huge impact and, and get a, a lot of understanding of like how node development works and how to kind of solve all these technical problems that people run into with NPM.
1: All right, Michael, what are your picks?
2: So um, the main one and probably the most important one is uh, NodeConf, NodeConf.com. Um, NodeConf.com is like the best conference of the whole year. Uh, I run it. We're having it here in Oakland at the Historic Fox Theater. So you can go t- get your tickets right now at NodeConf.com. And that's it, I think. But um, no, 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 no. I got a new awesome device. Just got it. It has like my calendar, and it has like all of these crazy like things on it. Like, there's a web browser. It's called an iPhone 6. You guys should check it out. Consider it if you haven't heard of it yet. It's really awesome. <laughs> it's like living in the future.
3: It's weird that they would just make a whole new device and start it at six. Yeah, it seems like yeah. odd branding. How does
5: it compare to Android
3: or Emacs or other operating systems?
5: I heard it. Li- I haven't. I
2: those exactly, but my friends tell me that it's like those, but it works.
0: <laughs> I, I hear that it's. I hear that it's actually the next version of Android. Is this oh. Is oh, like this like a, a fork of it? Yeah, <laughs> it's the iojs of Android.
4: <laughs> That's why it starts at six. That's also
0: why it's called iOS. They just dropped the Java. It's like iojs without the Java, basically.
3: <laughs> oh, cool. Right. Oh. So like like close to the metal, lean and mean
1: kind of. Yeah, it's it's like when Michael says iojs and his connection cuts out for a second.
4: So is the tagline, all script, no Java? (laughs) (laughs) All about that script, about that script, no Java.
1: All right. Well, I think we're done. Thanks for coming, guys. I really appreciate, I think we all really appreciate uh, hearing about IOJS and just getting the real deal from you guys about what the project's about.
5: Yeah, it totally cleared up some misconceptions for me. Yeah, thanks so much. And me understand.
1: All right. Well, we will wrap up the show then, and we'll catch you all next week. This episode is sponsored by React Week. React Week is the first week-long workshop dedicated entirely to learning how to build applications in React.js. Because React is just the V in MVC, you'll also learn how to build full applications around React with the Flux architecture, React Router, Webpack, and Firebase. Don't miss this opportunity to learn React.js from Ryan Florence, one of the industry's leading React developers. If you can't make it out to Utah, they're also offering a React Week online ticket. Go check it out at reactweek.com. Have you noticed that a lot of developers always land the job they interview for? Are you worried that someone else just landed your dream job? John sanmez can show you how to do this with the course, How to Market Yourself as a Software Developer. Go to devcareerboost.com and sign up using the code JJABBER to get $100 off. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory.